Today's episode is brought to you by Dreammaker Racing, the New York bred specialist. From top quality New York bred racehorses, Hall of Fame trainers, and unmatched hospitality services, Dreammaker Racing has everything to offer when it comes to owning a racehorse. Have you ever imagined what it's like to see your horse cross the finish line first at racetracks like Saratoga or Belmont? Well, now you can. Dreammaker Racing will put you in the winner's circle. Call today at 518 518- 587-5550 or visit DreamMakerRacing.com and let us make your dreams come true today. And we're live, pal. Welcome back. Another episode of the StuCast. I am, of course, Stu, your host. And we got a heck of a show for you today, folks. Uh, before I get into it, few things on the agenda. First off, like, rate, subscribe. Uh, drop us a review. iTunes, five stars. It's always appreciated. We're wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening now, please like, subscribe, whatever you can do for us over here. Also, at Stucast Sports on Twitter, hit me up. Love the conversation going on over there. Um, you know, it, this past few weeks, we've kind of transitioned a little bit more into sports and, and really a lot of new faces coming into the program. A lot of folks hitting me up um, and having good conversations, so join the fun. Uh, coming up, a little housekeeping note. Coming up... We've got the college basketball preview today, which I'll get into. And then Thursday, we're going to have Around the Turn. It's back. And in the wintertime, Around the Turn is going to be back on a semi-regular basis. Uh, a lot of folks are have more free time. We're in the off-season. People aren't you know, getting hit from every angle to talk horses. Uh, so you're going to see a lot more horse racing guests come on and we'll do around the turn because it's fun and, uh, you know, we make fun of each other and it's a good time. Uh, college football is continuing. College basketball, we're talking with some folks. We're going to see what that ends up looking like. Uh, it's a little bit harder. You can't, it's hard to handicap for games that don't have lines. Um, so it might be a night before and you'll just get a little snippet day of type thing. Uh, but still trying to work on how that's going to look, but you know, just stay tuned for it. And also every Thursday night while we have college football, I will be on the scoop on the U on YouTube, giving some picks, come over, check out, uh, we had over 1500 viewers. And for the last episode, that was excellent. Went four and one. I feel really great about that. Hopefully, we can give out more, uh, more games and uh, get some people some winners if they if they like the case I make. Uh, but yeah, so that's what's coming up. That's what's kind of cooking. But today, the here and now, we've got a college basketball preview. We got our good friend Asher Lowe, Locked On Badgers. He's coming back because he is the world's biggest West Coast Conference uh, basketball fan there is. And he's heavily involved with Pepperdine. He's number one fan of the Waves, Waves Up. 
so he's talking WCC, and it's a great conference, and there's a lot of money to be had there. So you're going to want to know some of the names, some of the teams, who's going up, who's falling down. It's, it's important. Paul from the Scoop on the U, he's coming on. We're going to talk about ACC basketball. Going to talk a little bit about Miami because Miami is really good this year. And then later, C.J. Holmes from The Athletic. He's going to be talking Villanova, the Philly basketball scene. Uh, we might expand it to the Northeast in general. Um, but, you know, that's a really important conversation because Villanova might be the best team in the country, folks. So love to talk it. And, you know, we, we still have some folks that uh, haven't set up times or dates, but we'll roll those in because uh, certainly – Definitely want to talk about some SEC basketball and some uh, Pac-12 basketball, but waiting on folks to get back. So this will whet the appetite. This will hold you over. And we will be back on Thursday uh, with a really cool show. It's going to be fun. Uh, So hope you enjoy it. And we will see you next time. All right, joined again. He, you heard him last week. He's a great friend to this show. He he does locked on Badgers, but he's also a, a big waves guy, and he loves his West Coast Conference basketball. Hey, it's Asher Lowe. Asher, how are you, man? I'm good, and yeah, I do love my West Coast Conference basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good league. It's it a it's surprising how good it is. It is. Uh, it, it really is. And I think people obviously fairly, I will say it's not, a, 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 you know, a, it's not an attack on these people, but they fairly will view this as a Gonzaga. And that's that league. It's only Gonzaga. That's all we care about. That's all we hear about. But even if you go out of the top three, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU, this league is still better than most leagues around the country. I think top to yeah, top to bottom. Um, it's certainly it, it. It's a. It reminds me of how the horizon used to be. It reminds me a lot of that in that when the horizon was really pumping, you had a really good team come out of it, and then you would always have like four or five real solid teams. Here it's it's a little different because you got a couple monsters at the top, and then you got some really good teams underneath, and then it kind of peters towards the end once you start looking at San Diego and what have you. But right. um, yeah, I, it's a great conference, and I love it too because all the games are late at night, and it remind this is my Hawaii football in sure. the yeah. off season. Sure. Uh, well, let's start. Let's get right into it. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, obviously, you know, uh, they they are a hell of a program. Jalen Suggs comes in. This is Mark Few's probably his best recruiting class yet as, as far as the recruiting publications go. Uh, they lost, they lost uh, Petrusev. Did, am I saying that right, Petrusev? I don't know. Um, They lose him, and I really wish he would have stayed on the team. I know you may not, but, I mean, that would have been real fun to see. But, man, this team is really put together strong. Absolutely. Um, 
they're the best team in college basketball. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to have any waves bias about that. I actually root for them, by the way. I'm not like biased against the WCC ever. I actually root for the Zags every single, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but every single March I root for them like they're my team. So I really know them well. Like even from the fans' perspective of being a Zags fan, I feel like that for about two, three months of the year. I actually root for every WCC team when it comes down to it. I root for, you know, St. Mary's in the tournament. I'll root for Gonzaga in the tournament. I, BYU, I don't root for ever. That's a different story. <laughs> uh, this is, this is, I feel like I've said this three times, but this is the best Gonzaga team I've seen. And I don't know if they can actually be better on the floor than the 2017 team was with Nigel Williams-Goss that made it to the NCAA championship game, lost in the last minute against North Carolina. But on paper, with a five-star like Jalen Suggs coming in out of Minnesota, I think they're the best team on paper I've seen. If you had Petrosev, they'd definitely be the best team on paper. But still, I think they're probably better than that 2017 team, even though it's close. Joel Ii has been a guy that has been a revelation for this team. He was nowhere near this kind of player uh, at any other stop in his life. And then he gets to Gonzaga, and Mark Few just gets the best out of people. He just somehow does it all the time. Corey Kispert returns, and that is a just a Waves fan's nightmare. This guy always seems to go off against Pepperdine. He's one of those players where when he shoots the basketball with his release, you never think he's missing. And he doesn't miss very often, I'll tell you, from experience of playing against him. It's not great. Andrew Nemhard is a huge get for them from Florida. They've become kind of transfer you for a lot of players. They're a little bit forgotten at power fives. A lot of guys that will be highly recruited, go to a power five, doesn't work out great. Mark Few gets them and then boom. And then Drew Timmy, we'll see if he can step into the Philip Petrosev type of role as a big for this team. But Gonzaga's built with transfers and they have the five-star guard now that they never really had before in Jalen Suggs. It's scary. Yeah, you know, you said it. I mean, this team, top to bottom, obviously they're number one in the country. But I think in this year especially, having the continuity from a experienced lineup is going to pay huge dividends. I think that's why a lot of people are giving Villanova a long look this year as well. Um, is there is there something, is there a spot that you think can be exploited in this Gonzaga team? No, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> not, not in the WCC. There's not one team that can exploit them besides themselves. To beat Gonzaga in the WCC this year, because the talent gap has never been, I don't say this as a slight to the conference. As you know, I would never slight the WCC. But this is as good as a Gonzaga team as you're ever going to see. It's a WCC that doesn't have that. They don't have that second team that's like right there with Gonzaga like a St. Mary's is usually. Instead, what you're looking at, and BYU is the second best team in this conference, and they're close-ish, but they're not as good as other St. Mary's teams have been, in my opinion at least, in the past. So you're not really looking at that one-two punch of the conference. It's more like the one is just so clear at the top, and then you have a two through six who are all really, really good in their own right, but obviously they're not the best team in the country like Gonzaga is. Well, I mean, let's get right to it. I mean, the Cougars, a lot of people are talking them up. A lot of people are, you know, playing them in future wagers that I know. Um, they get a big transfer. They get that big center, Matt Harms. He spurns Kentucky. Goes. To, you know what I call that? Uh, I call that, Al? I call what? it the, Ash the Asherlow transfer. 
from the Big Ten of the Big Ten of the WCC is the Asherlow transfer. I'm going to nickname that for myself. <laughs> okay, we'll call it the Asherlow transfer. But he comes in seven three. He he looks like a I mean just a tall stick. They got a lot of height on this team. I mean, this is a big big team. I mean, most of the roster is six five, six six, and up. Uh, what stops them from bridging that gap this year and maybe splitting one with the Zags? Well, I think a home crowd stops them because if they don't have one at home, that becomes a much tougher game. A, a home game at BYU is a game that I actually would think they'd almost be favored to beat the Zags in. And I know I just told you that Gonzaga is so much better than any other team in this conference, yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to go back on everything I just said and tell you that the toughest place to play in this conference that's not the kennel at Gonzaga is at BYU without a doubt. And in fact, it could be even harder than the kennel. It depends on what you think year to year, whatever. That's an opinion because they're both at the top of not only the conference, but the entire country in terms of hard places to play. So anytime a team goes into that, that environment in Utah, coming away with a win is a tall task. And for Gonzaga, it would be no different just because of the home crowd. But are they going to have that home crowd, right? Are they going to have that taken them to the next level? And Matt Harms is a big get. Can he be a more consistent offensive player? Can he finish around the rim with consistency? Can he have just a little bit of post game? Just a little bit. That's all I ask. He didn't really have it at Purdue. Never did. Was more of an energy guy. Off the bench would give you some rebounds, some good minutes, would turn the tie to your team, would flip his hair a lot. But there was never really that lefty jump hook that we're looking for. Uh, that drop step that was consistent. There, were not, there was not a lot of post combinations for him back to the basket, and that'll be a big step if he wants to be a really, really great player in the WCC this year. Do you, do you see that possibly this is the year with the Zags? Uh, can the Cougars be that second WCC team into the Sweet 16, or do you think that they have enough glaring issues that can be exploited by some of these other teams in the country? I think they can be that next team in. And let's not forget, they lost a lot. Like, we're talking about a lot, a lot. I actually think last year was their year to make a really, yeah. really deep run. They can be in the Sweet 16. I don't think they will be. That's just my guess at the beginning of the year based on what they have on paper. This team lost a ton. TJ Hawes, Yoli Childs, two of the best players they've ever had at that program, uh, both out. But you do return some key contributors from last year, Alex Barcelo, will have to take a step forward for sure. You started all 32 games last year, and he'll have to do a similar thing this year, but with some more production, only average nine a game. You might want to double that, to be perfectly honest, if this team's going to score like they did last year because you take out guys like TJ Hawes that averaged 14 a game. You take out Yoli Childs, who averaged 22 a game, and you're left with a team that lacks some scoring punch. So can they score with the best of them? That'll be the question in the NCAA tournament. I don't think this is their year. I think it was last year, and obviously that got stripped from them. That's just tough. That's life right now in college basketball. And, and that leads us to who's that third team in the WCC, which makes it so strong. I, I think it's a team that you're familiar with somewhat, <laughs> and, and that would be in lovely Malibu. One of these schools, you know, we talked before uh, when we first started talking way back time machine about Wisconsin football, and we were talking about Pepperdine a little bit. 
always just one of those schools that based on locality and the campus and the setup it's amazing that Pepperdine isn't getting the top recruiting class every single year uh but this team I mean it's loaded with Colby Ross Kessler Edwards uh suffered um had three like real key injuries last year Oh, yeah. uh, to that team that that really messed up the mojo there, man. It, it, this is a very exciting team on paper. Uh, go as far as you want to on how good this Pepperdine team can be. So disclaimer for everybody listening: I'm the world's biggest Pepperdine fan. You better meet a bigger one. So take what I say with a grain of salt, I guess. But I'll try to be as unbiased as I can. This team has one of the best guards in college basketball. In my opinion, the guy that's going to be the best player in the conference this year, and his name is Colby Ross. He is a senior out of Colorado. He's a guy that's broken every Pepperdine record you can possibly think of except total points, and he'll break that one, every, every record that a guard would break, and he'll break that one in his first game of the year. He's, I think, 15, 17 points away from a guy, Stacey Davis, who set the record a few years back who I had the privilege of watching play in Malibu. And you said it, a beautiful campus, right? Beautiful scenery, and you wonder why aren't they better than they are? And I can tell you from firsthand experience of struggling with them for a decade, part of it is the arena and calling it an arena is generous. It's, it's basically a tiny gym. I don't think you can recruit the highest level with that type of place as your home gym. I love the Firestone Fieldhouse, but it just isn't there. Right. And they have very high admission standards. There are some things that have held them back, some inconsistencies with coaching, but now you got Lorenzo Romar in there. Who's a guy that's done it. He's recruited at the highest level. He sent guys to the NBA. You'll remember him at Washington for a decade. He's a guy that's been in the NBA himself as a player. He brings a lot to Pepperdine that they haven't had before, and things are looking up. This is the best Pepperdine team of my lifetime going into this year. Absolutely is. You get back everyone except a guy named Cam Edwards, who was a big contributor, but Pepperdine gets back his younger brother, Kessler Edwards, who could actually be the best pro prospect on this team and one of the best pro prospects in the entire WCC. Colby Ross might be the best player in the conference. Tesla Edwards might be the best pro prospect Pepperdine's had in my literal lifetime. I know I keep saying that, but literally, this is the best team I've seen. Uh, it's been a lot of struggle for this program. It's going to be a fun year. They got depth at the guard position. Jade Smith, Daryl Polk Jr., Cedric Altman, guys that bring it defensively. All three of them just bring it on that end. And if Pepperdine can be a defensive team first, something they haven't been for years they can be that third best team in the WCC. Maybe, maybe even the second best team in the WCC. I, I think the the worry and the concern from folks looking on at this Pepperdine team, and I'm going to be watching them a lot. I'm going to probably be betting them a lot. This Thank you. Year. Just because I'm hyping you up or why? Well, no, because I, well, you know, we're, I consider you a friend. So it, it, I, I, and I've always liked Pepperdine. And I just need a reason to be up betting late. And that's the team that I'm, I'm really feeling. Like, I love when you've got a, a, a guy that can control a game like Colby Ross, and then you pair him with a big man that can b- get boards and score and fills out that, that athletic profile. I mean, there's going to be games where the lines are going to be way too low and Pepperdine's going to be covering easy. So that's kind of – it's a twofold reason. But I think, I think the, 
the thing that we're going to look at this Pepperdine lineup and say, well, you got Colby Ross and you got Kessler Edwards. Where's, where's the depth coming from? I know you mentioned the guard play being solid. Is it there in the big men? It isn't proven at the bigs as it is with the guards. But you do have a couple guys in Victor Ohia, Obi Ohan, Jan Zidek, who's, who've played meaningful minutes before. And I think Victor Ohia, Obi Ohan is the guy that could take the next step this year at that position. He is a raw talent, a guy that doesn't have a polished offensive skill set, but can block shots with the best of them in this conference, can run up and down the floor. He's mobile. He finishes lobs. You know, he's an athletic big man, and he can really stretch it uh, running up and down the floor. But Jan Zidek's the guy that can shoot it, can kind of step out a little bit. So actually, when I say stretch, I really mean Zidek's the guy that can stretch the floor. There's some unproven pieces on this team in terms of bigs, and they've never really – Pepperdine's never had that identity as a place where good big men go. That's more of the Gonzaga, St. Mary's, even BYU – model of this conference, but really Gonzaga and St. Mary's have always built their success in this conference off of bigs. And that's something Pepperdine has never truly had. Is there a concern for, for you when you watch this team about how they stack up again? You know, we just talked about BYU in the length, in the height that they have uh, down low. Is there a concern that when you go up against a team like that or St. Mary's, or Gonzaga that you're just going to get boxed out? Yeah, there is. And I've seen it happen time and time again with this Pepperdine team. With Gonzaga, they're always going to be bigger than Pepperdine. They're always going to be faster than Pepperdine. That's just kind of how it is right now. They're recruiting, you know, like a power five. Not only, not only like a power five, they're recruiting like a top five team in the country every single year now. That's just who they are. So they become in the transfer market and recruiting freshmen like Jalen Suggs. With BYU, Matt Harms gives me nightmares as a Pepperdine fan. That's the kind of guy that will just kill Pepperdine and look mediocre against other teams and just come into Pepperdine into Firestone Fieldhouse and have 25 rebounds. And you can't do anything about it. So, yeah, it definitely does uh, scare me as a Waves fan. We, you brought up St. Mary's quite a bit, and it seems like Pepperdine is, is going to be vying this year for that, that third, and you said possibly second spot in the WCC that's got to go through BYU and St. Mary's. The Gales lost a lot. Uh, Jordan Ford, Malik Fitz, uh, two of their big, big players from last season. Uh, how do you see this St. Mary's Gales team coming into the year? Like, is this going to be the, the St. Mary's that we're all kind of used to, or is this a step back year? It's the second. It's a step back. It's the biggest step back I've seen from them in a long time. I think coming into this year, I'm probably as low on St. Mary's as I've ever been in as a WCC fan. This is probably the worst roster of talent, but you can't count out Randy Bennett. The guy can coach with the best of them. You mentioned Jordan Ford's name, one of the best guards in the conference I've, I've ever seen in the country, honestly, in terms of just putting the ball in the basket. The guy could score and you didn't even know how he did it, but he'd look up and he'd have 30. It was one of those kind of guys that did it quietly sometimes. You look up, you know, he's been on the line 12 times, right? He gets fouled. Uh, he makes floaters in the lane. They don't have that kind of scoring on this team. They don't have that big man that they usually have, uh, the, guy, the guys they've had in the past. But they've always had solid guards, and they still have some solid guard play on this team. They're going to need more from a guy like Logan Johnson, Cincinnati transfer, who didn't really produce last year like they thought he might. Tommy Cousy's going to have to be well, better than I've ever seen Tommy Cousy 
uh, in the WCC for this team to have a chance of finishing in the top three. I actually think they're, they're not a top five team in the conference looking at the roster, but Randy Bennett's Randy Bennett. Fair point. I mean, I, I, we know that story being big 10 fans where, you know, Hey, some years Matt Painter's not going to have a great team on paper, but he finds a way. Uh, the other two teams that really caught my eye, the San Francisco Dons and uh, Pacific, the Tigers, both these teams on paper look really strong and just solidly built. Can, can either one of these provide a, a serious challenge to a BYU-Gonzaga? You know, I'm glad you mentioned Pacific because they're the team where the people are asking me like, hey, Asher, who, who's a team that nobody's going to see coming in this conference that could finish in the top four or five? It's Pacific. And I've never said that about them. I'm almost laughing saying it right now, thinking about that. But this roster is really good. Like Lorenzo Romar at Pepperdine, they have their guy, a guy that is as experienced as any coach in this conference as a basketball mind, Damon Stoudemire, a guy that's played in the league, right, for years. Everyone knows his name as a basketball player. He's kind of gotten his thing going here at Pacific, and they have some talent on this roster they never really had before. They don't lose a ton from last year. I'm excited to see Jeremiah Bailey uh, in action for this Pacific team. I'm excited to see some other pieces they have coming back. Uh, they're, they're good. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's probably, I said, I told you it was the worst St. Mary's team I'd ever seen. Uh, this is probably the best Pacific team I've ever seen. They, is Jalil Tripp coming back? Let me check. I don't think Jalil Tripp is coming back, but he was, oh no, he is. He He's is. Oh man. He's the best See, player. I have him as a uh, loss on mine, but maybe he may, he may have opted out and opted back in. Let me check. I think, let's see if Jalil Tripp is coming back. Yeah, because that's 16 points a game that uh, is leaving. And, and almost nine boards a game, too. No, he was, a, he was a force. One of those guys that would kill Pepperdine. Kind of the undersized big man that so many different teams in the conference have. Uh, but, no, yeah, Tripp is, uh, Tripp is not coming back. So that, that is a big loss for sure. But there are some other pieces here where I think that Damon Stoudemire has this thing going in the right direction and could make some noise. They certainly got to pick it up on the scoring end because it is very dangerous uh, in this league, it feels like, to not put up enough points when – I mean, you can have a good defense and all. And they, they had a pretty decent one coming in 45th in the country uh, in points per game against. But, man, you got, you got to put some points. You got to put that ball in the bucket. It, the Dons seem to do that. Uh, last season in uh, Todd Graham's first year, which was, I, I thought, impressive. I thought the Dons were really nice plays at certain times early in the season as as big underdogs. One of that uh, kind of like a East Tennessee State team um, where it's like, you, what what is this? Why are they getting, you know, 15 points? Who Who is this? But it's a good basketball team. You just – you know, you don't yeah. know, like Vegas knows. Can the Dons repeat their success from last year? Before I get to the Dons, one name I, I did want to mention coming oh, in. Go for it. Going off the top of my head on Pacific here, so I, I kind of missed it in the moment. But Justin Moore is a guy that could put up 30 
in a game, can win you a game by himself this year. He's a senior, a Georgia Tech transfer. One of those guys that Damon Stoudemire got off a bounce back, kind of what Mark Few has made his life out of, right? Getting those sure. bounce back power five guys. And that is Justin Moore, a guard out of San Diego. 6'4", can fill it up from deep. And it's going to have a game where I'm telling you, he's going to have a game where he goes off maybe a couple games where he wins this team some, some games with a 25-point performance here, a 20-point performance there. Not sure he's going to average like that. I think he's, we're thinking more in the 12 to 15 range in terms of averages, but he'll have a couple big moments. And with the Dons, yeah, I love their style of play. Like, they're fun to watch. If you watch them, they're fast, right? They're athletic. They're a team that gets up and down, wants to fill it up, as you mentioned, scores the basketball. Their questions are similar to Pepperdine's questions, right? Can they defend at a high level? Can they rebound at a high level? Those are some of the questions that they're going to have and Pepperdine's going to have. I feel like if you're looking at two teams that are similar, uh, it, it's the Dons and Pepperdine in the middle of that division. The difference being Pepperdine has the best player in the conference, and that's Colby Ross, a guy that will win this team some games. And, yeah, Todd Golden coming in. Uh, actually, uh, my, the high school coach at my school, at Harvard-Westlake, where I went to high school and coached me in high school, was a former Dons assistant. So I have some Dons connections I've had for a while, and I've been following this team for a while. They lose uh, not a ton from last year to this year, so I'm excited to see them. And they're a fun style of play to watch on a nightly basis. I was really interested when I when I was going through the roster. Samba Kane, a guy I remember Seven at footer. Illinois, yeah. yeah, and and he's coming in. They've got they've got a nice mix of bigs. It's just you're right. I I don't know what exactly they are because Todd Golden's only had one year, and maybe last year. I mean, they were well on their way to probably getting the NIT bid, maybe. Um, and getting that to that point, but yeah, who knows? I, I do, I do think they are interesting to watch though, along with Pacific. Is, is there anything to be said about Portland or San Diego or Loyola? Like, is it just these teams that we've talked about in the WCC? Are, are we missing one? I don't think we are. I think that if I were to give you a solid top four, uh, top five, it would be that top five of Gonzaga, BYU, Pepperdine, St. Mary's, and the Dons. I think Pacific, like I was saying, could sneak up. LMU, they've lost Mike Dunlap, so the Mike Dunlap era, excuse me, is over. I like Eli Scott, a guy out of Chino Hills who played with the Ball Brothers in high school. And he's been talking a little smack on Instagram I've seen as well, talking some smack at some Pepperdine players and some WCC guys. But I like him. I think he's one of the better – kind of undersized bigs in this conference. I mentioned that earlier with Pacific about Jaleel Tripp. This conference has a ton of those 6'6 guys that play like they're 6'10", uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They're only 6'6", 6'5", but they bruise. They play like power forwards, and that's Eli Scott in a nutshell. He is strong. Uh, he's going to have a big year as a senior, but outside of him, I don't see the depth on this team to really get up into that top six or seven. You know, I, I we've already gone over what you think, uh, how this league's going to kind of shake out. How many teams from the WCC get in this year? You know, I'm going to stay conservative and say two. I think a three-bid league, if a team doesn't shock someone and win the tournament, is overstepping. Even as a WCC-biased guy that I am, that is still overstepping. I'll say it. I don't think it's possible – 
uh, barring some miracle for three at-large teams to get in. It is possible, though, that that kind of third team, right, like a Pepperdine or a, a BYU, if they're not an automatic bid, or if they're not, if they're not an at-large bid in our minds, steals a game. It's one game, WCC tournament. You never know. Gonzaga should win it, but you never know. Could steal a game and make it three teams in, but I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with BYU and Gonzaga with Pepperdine on the cusp. Very close, but just not quite. If, if they do make it, to, it, Pepperdine just strikes me as a team that a lot of folks don't want to play. Hey, have you heard about how their non-conference is going? Is there going to be a non-conference? I have not heard about the specifics of it at all because nobody really has yet, but there is going to be some level of non-conference, I do imagine. Okay. Because yeah, it's going to be hard, I have to imagine, for a team like Pepperdine, for people to get them to, you know, come out and play right right they gotta they, they gotta play enough games to be even a possible at large and that's gonna be a challenge this year in covid yeah uh asher where can people find more of your uh pepperdine and wcc musings at roll waves at waves underscore up on twitter it's called roll waves but at waves underscore up all pepperdine stuff all the time and a lot of wcc stuff in general so if you like wcc basketball definitely throw it a follow my personal account at AOW underscore 33 and at uh, the daily to Jen for some betting advice. I just told you about this, but anybody wants to bet college basketball with me and my picks, I'll be posting them all in the daily to Jen. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And when uh, college basketball starts up here during feast week, uh, we'll, we'll be chatting again. I can't wait to have some lines and talking some games, some matchups, uh, enough with these previews, but uh, it, we got to get the people going here. Yes, sir. All right, Asher. Thank you so much. We'll be back right after this. What's going on? It's Matt Bernier from the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. Be sure to join us every Monday, occasionally Tuesdays, but for the most part, every Monday, however you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's YouTube, you name it, you can find it a million different places, including InTheMoneyPodcast.com. It's the Matt Bernier Show. Anything and everything to do with the world of horse racing. You know, it's always great to have a good friend come back on the pod. It's been a minute since I talked to him, since you heard his voice. But if you're not watching Paul Scoop on the you, uh, you you're an idiot. You're a dolt. You're a dunce. You're in the corner. You're wearing a hat. We're pointing. We're making fun of you. Paul, welcome back to the show. I love the channel. You're pulling out some fire content. It's it's great to have uh, a guy that is best friends with, you know, Hugh Jackson on the show. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Stu. It's uh, my third time coming on. I always look forward to uh, talking sports with you. And thank you so much uh, for the kind words and for inviting me back on your podcast. Uh, had Hugh Jackson, former NFL head coach. Uh, he's a great interview. Yeah. 17 years of coaching in the NFL. Um, really cool guy, very professional individual. So that was really, truly a very cool honor. If you would have told me two years ago when I started this channel, I was going to be interviewing an NFL head coach, I would have said you're probably I – I don't know if I can curse, but you're crazy. <laughs> <They're just laughs> you, no, you can, you can let it fly here. Um, 
No, I mean, you're right because like even starting my channel and I, I see it in your channel too. It's like, it's crazy. The people you just meet, you, you get a relationship with and then it opens up new doors and it's like, you keep, you keep meeting new and more uh, interesting, exciting people. And some of the opportunities I'm doing on the side and some of the things you're doing on Paul Scoop on the U, which you can subscribe to on YouTube, please just subscribe. Whenever I see it pop on, even if I don't have the time, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it on and at least get here something for a few minutes to make myself a little bit smarter. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It feels nice to be top 10 in the country in football. I'm not going to lie. That's I know amazing. you guys beat Michigan, so that was huge for you guys. But I, I told you, I told you, I lost, I lost my ass on that. But you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. Like it's, it's like, it's like if Florida State was ranked and Miami was having a horrible year, and right. you know they just come out and win, and you're just like, well, you know what? Screw, we won. Stu, it's that Pete Rose curse, man. You never bet against your own team. You can't do it. Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I bet against them again uh, on the college football uh, review show last week. So <laughs> we'll see. We're taping this, uh, you know, right after that preview show. And uh, hopefully I won. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But you Definitely. know what? We're, we're not talking football today uh, because you don't just specialize in football. You're also a basketball guy. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and last week, you had your Miami College basketball preview. And if you're going to bet – look, if you're going to bet ACC basketball, you need, to, you need to know what's going on with Miami. No better channel than your channel, Paul, to uh, check it out. Where can people find you on Twitter and YouTube? Yeah. Um, so, believe it or not, we, I just changed my name like 48 hours ago to the Scoop on the U. Scoop because, on the U. Uh, you know, we're growing. I have contributors now on my YouTube channel, and it's not about me. You know, Beautiful. it's about this channel. So, dropped it to the scoop on the U. And, uh, man, we're just going to get going. So, look up the scoop on the U on YouTube. On Twitter, you can find me at PaulScoop1, where you can find me on Twitter. Add me. Love talking college sports as a whole. Um, love just talking sports in general. More of a college guy, but, man, uh, just – any conversation about college sports, man, really gets me going. So more than welcome to add me on Twitter and subscribe to the channel on YouTube, The Scoop on the U. No, I love that. Scoop on the U. I love the branding. Um, certainly, you know, and after the big games or after every football game, are you going to be doing after every college basketball game a call-in show or just after the big ones? Um, it's tough because my job – does uh, coexist with weekends as well. For example, this upcoming Saturday after the Virginia Tech game, I got to go to work at 4 p.m. So I'm not going to be able to do a live call-in show. Maybe that night I will do one. But that is the goal, you know, ultimately to do it after games. But, you know, obviously we all have our work obligations that get in the way. So if I don't have work, I don't have any obligations, I do plan on going live after every football game. And then basketball – I probably won't because, you know, University of Miami basketball, let's be real, it was canceled at one point in the 80s. Uh, it was brought back to life. It's not the biggest sport, but it got re, 
re uh, what's the word? Energized. Um, yeah, re-energized under Coach Larinaga, who's done an outstanding job um, and really put basketball kind of on the map to a certain extent. Okay. Well, I, I, I think we got to start here. So it's only fitting. And like I said, you did a, a really in-depth college basketball preview uh, last week that, uh, you know, please go check out. It's well worth your time. The Hurricanes, I, you know, I've heard of, uh, I've heard a lot of people that are smart, that are pro gamblers, and they really like this team. Um, at Ken Palm, their, their adjusted rankings, they're 29th in offense, 51st in adjusted defense. This is a team that I think with the addition of Earl Timberlake, the five-star to D.C., and uh, Chris Likes coming back, they don't lose a whole ton. Um, and this is a team that Coach Larinaga, I mean, I think – I. I really, truly believe that uh, having a system in place where you're not all brand new kids, where you're bringing everybody back pretty much, that's only beneficial, and especially in this ACC, which is going to be a weird season. Man, yeah. I, it's hard for me to find a, a knock against this Miami team. Yeah, um, you know, it's been a tough week for Miami Hurricanes fans. Anthony Walker, underclassman who was injured the second half of the season, still not ready to go. They're giving him a couple weeks to get ready. We also lost our uh, power forward. We kind of use him as a stretch four role in Sam Wardenberg. He was also a very good shooter beyond the arc. Even Coach K uh, gave him some credit in a press conference stating he was one of the best players Miami had. You know, this offense – it relies heavy on a lot of ball screens. Like you mentioned, Chris Likes and Earl Timberlake, the true five-star freshman, projected to go late in the first round by some draft websites. He can basically play small forward at the two or at the one. This is a guard-heavy offense. Throw in the addition of Nizier Brooks, who was the defensive player of the AAC a couple years ago. Dang Gok is another player to look out for. Believe it or not, he has had two season-ending injuries back-to-back -back seasons. His health is very questionable. We also have returning underclassman Isaiah Wong, who did a tremendous job the second half of the season. He put on 25 pounds of weight. Um, looks like a different player overall. And then we have Harlan Beverly, former five-star recruit who came out of the infamous Monte Verde Academy in North Florida. And then our third leading scorer of last year is also returning Cameron Mcgusty. I have not mentioned Matt Cross, four-star player. He can line up at the small forward position, but most likely will be a power forward at the next level. That's going to be our stretch for this season. Great shooter beyond the arc. Interested how he develops into the college game. He does not have a strong left hand. He's very weak driving the ball. I'm curious if he can contend and break the starting lineup game one. But it's going to be very interesting how this team plays. Offensively, we have a very good team. We give up a lot of second chance, third chance opportunities on the defensive side. It's going to be interesting. You know, we finally have the bodies down low. We have depth to a certain extent. We just got to stay healthy because, Stu, if we get one more injury, a lot of red flags will happen this upcoming season. I know I'm being very critical on my beloved Canes, but hey, 
I tell it like it is. Yeah, and you brought up rebounding. That's the one that I mean, shooting's not the question. I mean, Miami can shoot the lights out, uh, but those second and third chance opportunities, rebounding last year, 318th in the country. Horrendous. Well, I mean, it can't get any worse. I mean, uh, you're just you're right there with little sisters of the poor and uh, school, the, the Helen Keller School for the Blind. It's it's like you can't go anywhere but up, and I got to think Coach Laranega is going to get him there. I hope so, and, you know, hopefully bring in Nizier Brooks, the transfer from Cincinnati. He, had, he averaged 6.3 rebounds uh, per game a couple years That's ago. That's a huge hit. Nizier Brooks was very good at Cincinnati. Yeah, very good player. Rodney Miller – that's going to be our guy coming off the bench as a backup center role. He averaged seven points per game, five rebounds. Conditioning-wise is my concern. The guy you want to look out for is Anthony Walker, who still isn't healthy. He'll be coming in a couple weeks late into the season. That is a project that we have at the forward position. He is very athletic, very athletic. Once in a while, he'll pull up from the perimeter, take a three, but he's a very athletic player. Watch out for his development this upcoming season. I think he can be a star at the next level. You know, overall, this Miami team, I think it's, it's exciting because this is a team – it's one of the two teams in the ACC, I think, that can make a real big – well, I'll, I'll say three. One of the three teams in the ACC that I think can make a significant step forward this season. Uh, but, it, you know – with the ACC, when you're talking about the ACC, you you have a group of what four, four or five really big mainstays. Uh, you know, the biggest name obviously Duke will transition to them. Uh, this is a team that that lost uh, Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, uh, Cassius Stanley leaves. This is a team, again, you know, obviously they're always top five in recruiting. Jalen Johnson, they're big, big, uh, all-everything uh, freshman this year anchoring this team. But, man, this just doesn't feel like a normal Duke team. Like, I, I feel like this Duke team is going to have a real fight for the ACC this year. You know what's interesting, Stu? Duke, actually, in my opinion, they have a very high ceiling. Look at their yeah. backcourt. Look at Patrick Tate, the transfer coming in from Columbia. He averaged 11.3 points per game, 5.9 rebounds. They also have Wendell Moore coming back, who should be playing at the guard spot. Um, averaged 7.4 points per game. I think you're going to see a huge jump from him. One name we haven't mentioned who's going to be leading Duke's front court: Jeremy Roach, the five-star recruit. He's going to be starting from day one at the point guard position. Also, Matthew Hurt at the four. I think he's a star power forward at the next level. Averaged 9.7 points per game. He's definitely going to go over double digits this year, and he's going to average six rebounds per game. Last year, he only averaged 3.8. Another freshman to look out for, and if he gets going beyond the arc, Duke can be a scary team, DJ Stewart. He is a great shooter. The problem with Duke, and this is on Coach K, and I'm sorry, I'm taking a shot at Coach K, they need to find a rhythm. They need to find an identity. They haven't had that in past years. It's like, okay, we have all these great players, but, you know, who's going to run the point? 
Who's our go-to scorer? They, they just don't have a game plan. Coach K is just letting them play. Create an offensive philosophy. You're going to go up-tempo, okay. You're going to run a lot of ball screens, do that. If you're going to run a lot of two-man repeat, do that. Roll and replace, wing pairs, do that. But seriously, have a plan. You have a heavy backcourt. You have strong shooters on the perimeter. You have a great freshman point guard. Get it done. I think they have a great team, in my opinion. They just need to find an offensive identity. Well, you know, I, th- this show is not adverse to taking shots at uh, Coach K, you know. He is the cleanest guy in, in all of ba- college basketball. Um, uh, well, you got to remember. Well, well, you know, it, especially when it comes to clean duffel bags dropped off at churches, <laughs> allegedly. Dude, you got to remember, Stu, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's not too far from Durham. <laughs> well, we'll get to we'll get to some of the teams and uh, more North Carolina teams in a moment. But man, you know Virginia picked to win this conference. This team has come on uh, Tony Bennett. As much as I hate Virginia, and as much as I hate Tony Bennett, his defense is locked down. And last year, I mean, three hundred and forty eighth in the NCAA in scoring, there was over-unders in their games of, like, 80. 80 80 points in a college game. 80 points. Unbelievable. Um, And, and, you know, they went under a couple times. I mean, it's it's scary. Uh, This defense is locked down. Uh, Abdur Rahim, Jabari Abdur Rahim, their big recruit in, Yes. Promises some kind of uh, shooting expertise here. I mean, they got to shoot the ball better in assuming their defense is still somewhat close to how they were last year. And I don't have any reason to think they won't be. They uh, lose uh, Braxton K and they lose uh, Madi Diakte, uh, which is Diakte was like their their big piece, their centerpiece of their defense last year. But man, it really seems like Virginia's just like really cut out for for this season especially. Stu, I'm gonna throw you a name and you're gonna remember this name halfway through the season. Their transfer Sam Hauser. He's coming from Marquette. Yeah. He averaged fourteen point nine points per game at Marquette. That is their stretch four. If he puts up those same numbers in the ACC, UVA is going to make a national title run. I'm extremely high on these guys. Great rebounding team, one of the best in the nation. They have a huge height advantage compared to their conference. Jay Huff, redshirt senior, 8.5 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game. They also have, what's this guy's name? Thomas Wold, I can't pronounce it. Wolditons, could be wrong on that. Average 7.2 rebounds per game. Video game numbers, um, they also have their starting point guard, Clark, coming back, 10.8 points per game, average six assists per game. Man, and like you said, three very talented true freshmen coming in. They're going to be fine with depth. Hey, I'm all in with UVA. I think they're going to have an outstanding year, and I'm predicting them to win the ACC title. You know, I I have to correct you on one thing. Uh, Sam's not the best Hauser. Uh, Joey – who's up in uh, lovely East Lansing, Michigan. Joey's going to be oh, much better. That's right. That's right. Didn't he transfer in as well? 
Yeah, he transferred in as well. But both remember both brothers had to sit out last year. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to go to the same school. That's a story for another time. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's a story for another time. All right. Uh, North Carolina with the most overrated coach in the history of college basketball. Oh. <laughs> uh, he couldn't coach, uh, you know, a junior high school team. Uh, to to a championship, North Carolina. Uh, I mean, is is to me when I I watched him play last year. Now, Cole Anthony was down most of the year, and and they really struggled when he wasn't on the floor. They're getting most of their guys back. They add in you know their usual nice freshmen that they get because it's North Carolina and Jordan Brand and all that good stuff. But man, I just. I don't like this North Carolina team. Is there – am I missing something? One thing I will mention, they did miss Anthony Harris. He tore his ACL the past season, five games going into the season. They have a very strong um, – they should dominate the offensive class. They have two very strong forwards. Armando Bacot, um, 6'10", sophomore. He averaged 9.6 points per game this past season, 8.3 rebounds per game, close to a double-double. I think he can average that this upcoming season. Garrison Brooks averaged 16.8 points uh, per game, 8.5 rebounds, another player to look out for. One player we have not mentioned from UNC, Caleb Love, potential top-10 first-round pick compared to Terry Rozier at the next level. He, I think he's going to be a one-and-done. Um, they will go up-tempo, but they're going to rely heavily on guard play. And if, if, let's say, God forbid, there's another injury in UNC's starting five, hey, if one of their guards goes down, don't get me wrong, their depth is quite a concern moving forward. I completely agree. But I think down low, this is a very strong team. That's going to be their strength. And if guard play does show up, if Caleb Love – has a better career at UNC than Cole Anthony and Anthony Harris has a full healthy season. I think this is a top 25 team, Stu. Now this isn't going to be your traditional final four UNC team, but I think they're in the dance. Uh, I'm rooting against it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that they have to go up a little bit. There's a little bit more uh, seasoning to this team. It's not, I'm really against teams that have – we've got 18 freshmen on the team. I'm, I'm really against that. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think they have a little bit more depth, a little bit more talent this year. You know, a, a team that's on the opposite spectrum that was making a ton of noise last year, your second favorite team in the ACC, uh, the Florida State Seminoles, um, <laughs> You know, they, I don't know. Maybe them and Louisville are in contention for losing the most to what their team is. Uh, Duke always reloads with a top five, you know, top three it, it recruiting class. But Florida State losing uh, Vassal, Forrest, and Patrick Williams, who is projected to go to my Pistons. I hope to God not. Um I mean, you're looking at you're looking at three dudes that were key starters, got key minutes, and I don't. I know this Florida State team finished first um, in the conference last year, 
But man, this wor- it worries me. I I don't know what to do with this Florida State team because you're putting in a lot of new pieces. Stu, you're completely right. This isn't going to be the same Florida State team that by default did win the ACC title. But I'll tell you what, Stu, they are reloading. There is a guard by the name of Scotty Barnes. He is the highest rated recruit to ever come to the Florida State Seminoles. They're also bringing back MJ Walker. He will be one of their starting guards, averaged 10.6 points per game. One name to look out for, Sadar Calhoun. He was the top-rated junior college prospect. Let's see what kind of impact he, he can make. By the way, four out of their five positions, um, they're all over 6'8 or 6'9. That's a very tall team. Very tall team going into the ACC. Um, this is a very, very athletic team. They're going to go fast. This is your typical Leonard Hamilton uh, personnel that he's bringing in. If they are successful on first shot opportunities, this Florida State team will finish in the top four. And if Scotty Barnes shows up to be that great player, that one-and-done player everyone is expecting, I'm very high on Scotty Barnes. Florida State, man, they're going to pick up where they left off. I'm very high on Florida State this upcoming season. They have very good guards. You may see them run four guards out on the perimeter and just have one player in the box and just go from there and just move play with your athletes. Typical Leonard Hamilton basketball. Well, we know James Blackman won't be on the team. No, no, shame. not him. No, he, he's, <laughs> he, he's gone. <laughs> that, that, you hate to see it. Um, <laughs> you know, so we covered, we covered Miami, who, we, you know, I think we both agree at some extent can make that move up. We covered the, the four mainstays, the four big ones. Uh, is there a team or a couple teams that you have your eye on that can make that jump up? Because Florida State kind of came out of nowhere, well, a little bit out of nowhere last year. Uh, certainly jumped up a little bit. My, my eyes personally went to Syracuse uh, when J, Jim Beheim's not running over people. This team is actually like they can shoot, and this yes. isn't they can shoot the ball. They were really piss poor defensively last year. But if, if you project any kind of improvement on the defense, this becomes a really tough team. Yeah, no, Syracuse returns five out of their six rotation players. They run a zone, 2-3 zone, 94.5% of their possessions. Uh, you're basically going to be playing up against a zone, which in conference play, they do awful. But coming to the dance, they actually do extremely well. Opponent shot 66% around the rim. Uh, Their defense in the paint is extremely weak. Like you stated, man, they cannot get defensive rebounds. This is going to be a hard, a a heavy guard, heavy offense. If Syracuse can establish the three-point game, take advantage of first shot opportunities, I think just get into the dance. They're probably going to be a bubble team. May have to do a playing game, but if they get into the dance, they could be a sleeper. One team I'm very curious about, and that is Virginia Tech. Jalen Cohn, he's returning as a sophomore. He averaged 45% from three-point shooting. They also bring back Diara, averaged 13.3 points per game. He's coming from Kansas State, averaged four assists 
four assists there as well. Um, if he steps up, man, as a transfer, he's going to be – that's a very interesting team. Um, they don't have a tall lineup at all. They don't. Very small lineup. They have to rely heavily on shooting. Key stat about Virginia Tech, Stu. First 19 games of their season, they averaged 37% from the three-point line. That's not bad. Last eight games, they averaged 17% from the three-point line. That's I'm I'm gonna take it. That's not good. <laughs> if you're a small lineup, if you're not a big lineup, you need to rely on perimeter shooting. Well, that's my thing with Virginia Tech. I mean, they they've been this team for a while now, where they're gonna they're gonna be good. They're gonna have moments. They're gonna have flashes, but you never know what you're getting with them. And it's certainly a team for me that I I personally like. I like to bet against. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I would point out one other team here that really was interesting. I want to hear your take. What about the the Yellow Jackets down in Atlanta? Georgia Tech is literally returning everyone. The thing about Georgia Tech, Stu, their offense is awful. They struggled tremendously. Um, this is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the nation, and they give up a lot of turnovers. You can't be successful if you're an awful shooting team and you're turning the ball over consistently. Their best two three-point shooters, this is where the drop-off is. Ready, Stu? Yeah. Their best shooter, Mike DeVoe, averaged 47% from the three-point line. That's very good. After that, Jose Alvarado, 33%. Everyone else, less than 20% from the line. That's awful. That is extremely bad. Um, You know, I just don't see it. I think it's a lackluster Georgia Tech team. I'm not a big fan of their head coach at all. I don't think he's good at all. I, I just don't think they are returning everyone. They're a curious team to look out for. I just think you need to develop a three-point shooting game, limit your turnovers moving forward. I just I don't see it from Georgia Tech. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't see it either. Uh, but they are interesting. That's a team like we're going to see a Georgia Tech Vatech game, and I feel like the number's going to be there, and, and you're going to want to take a Georgia Tech team pending how Vatech are they hot coming into the game? Is Georgia Tech hot coming into the game? Weird stuff like that can happen. How, what do you see, you know, wrapping this up? How do you see – you already mentioned Virginia winning the conference, but how do you see the rest of the conference kind of playing out? Yeah, I got UVA at number one. I have Duke at number two. Florida State at three. I got Louisville at four. I'll give UNC five. And then Miami – Virginia Tech and Clemson are going to be rotating for that six, seven, eight spot, and maybe Syracuse as well. NC State, look out for them. They have a very good center in DJ Funderburk coming back, over, averaged over 10 points per game. But they develop the three point shot. That is a very successful team. They get into foul trouble a lot. That's their issue, and depth is a big concern down at NC State. But Coach Keats, he's a great head coach as well. So that's a sleeper team. And then the rest, you know, you got Pitt, your Notre Dames, your Boston College, and Wake Forest. That's your bottom tier. But, yeah, that's who I got, you know. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting year. Remember, non-conference games, there's only going to be four or five. And then you're going to see a shorter conference schedule. So you're roughly going to play around 20 to 22 games, Stu. 
you lose those eight games, and that could be development for a lot of teams going in with a young team. No, I mean, that's a great point. And, and everybody, I know my friend uh, Kevin Pauga is, is racking his mind uh, trying to put together Michigan State's schedule. It changes every hour uh, from what he was telling me. So, you know, it, it, it's real tough. Uh, the scoop on the U, I, I can't say it enough. You got to subscribe to it. Hit them again, uh, the good people out there, Paul, on, on where they can find you. Yeah, on Twitter, Paul Scoop one and then you can find me on YouTube at the Scoop on the U. Check me out. Um, we're always doing interviews with recruits, post-game shows, pre-game shows. I'm going live actually tomorrow at 2 p.m. with my co-host Brad, breaking down college basketball, college football. I get Stu on the show for my betting people. They want to play some bets. Got to have some degenerate, avid gamblers. We got Atlantic City. We got Vegas. Let's do a tour. We'll hit it out the parks, dude. I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. Uh, it, it. We'll see if I can get through Maction tonight. Uh, we're looking okay so far. Um, yeah, that's, that's – uh, I can't wait. I was telling my buddy out in Philly tonight, I, I said, I can't wait to bet the Miami versus Florida Atlantic – uh, Toledo over, you know, Ohio, and then throw in Lipscomb over uh, U of D Mercy, you know, parlay of all parlays. I can't wait for it. Oh, man, it's going to be crazy. Can't Paul, wait to find out who wins. <laughs> probably not me. Uh, Paul, I always a pleasure, my man. We'll have you on, obviously, back again. The Scoop on the U is the channel, and we will be back right after this. All right, rounding out the college basketball preview, it's none other than the Philly beat writer, the Philly hoops guy, C.J. Holmes. C.J., honored to have you on, man. It's, it's been an awesome reading your work in The Athletic uh, over the past few months as I've been getting ready for college basketball season here. Hey man, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been it's been good to be on the beat. I've uh, been on the beat for about what since late July, since July, August, September, November. I'm on the beat yeah, for I almost still, five months now. I still remember <laughs> your tweet about moving to Philly. Like, hey, I just got here. Where's cheesesteak place? Uh, so that was uh, cool. Yeah, but so far it's been great, man. I'm just hoping to actually be able to get to some of these gyms and physically watch college basketball games. I'm gonna see if I can, uh, you know, it all depends on you know the company and you know the you know travel arrangements and you know if it's feasible. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get up there to watch Villanova's uh, the Carl Villanova season opener here next week on uh, uh, Thanksgiving and the day before. So uh, we'll see, man. I've been itching for some college basketball, so uh, I'm excited to get going. Yeah, man. I. Uh... I can't wait. Next week, feast week, it's the best week of the year. Uh, it's what I look forward to every year because you get that college basketball tip-off. Or, well, in a normal year, college basketball has already been going, but it's a week of really good matchups, and you got college football going and everything. Um, while I got you, before we start diving into some of these teams, your, your work on the athletic, can, can you explain the athletic? Because I, I know some people hear it, they – they hear what it is. Can you explain what the athletic is and, and why they need to get it? So they, outside of just reading all the the fire news you're spitting out. 
<laughs> well, um, essentially, Athletic is just an ad-free, uh, clickbaitless uh, website, sports website that you know we focus on, you know, analysis and long-form journalism with some of the, you know, best writers you know, this industry has to offer. Um, you know, if you're a fan of, you know, the Big Five or, you know, not just to plug myself, but, you know, any sports team, uh, you can find a lot of quality work in the athletic and um, it's definitely worth the price of admission. Uh, I think we have still have a little uh, special going on right now. Don't quote me on that, but I think right now you can sign up for one dollar. So it's, um, you know, you know, for the price of a for, for the price of a coffee for for the less than the price of coffee, um, you get, uh, you know, a, 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 uh, you get outstanding quality sports journalism. So I uh, highly recommend I'm not just saying that because I work there. <laughs> no, I dig it, man. I uh, I subscribe and uh, I do enjoy reading the uh, the articles because you're right; it's very analytic, and you need that, especially going into college basketball, where it seems like this year uh, we're going to talk about several teams in the Philly area that have been heavily impacted by transfers. It seems like it's open season, and a thousand players are moving this that way and the other. How, how do you how what's your take on transfer the portal and and how it's uh, kind of sh reshaping college basketball? Um, you know, I I played college basketball. Um, I played at Auburn twenty twelve through twenty fifteen. So you know, although I'm a journalist, I'm supposed to be objective. At the end of the day, you know, in the back. I'm always for the athletes and I'm glad there's something like the transfer portal because you know not every athlete's going to find that home or that, that best fit um, off the bat you know uh, you know coaches are coaches are salesmen first and foremost their job is sell you the program and you know and recruit your talents to come to their school um, but you know sometimes you get on campus and for one reason or another things don't break the way you want to or you know the school the program's not what you thought so I'm glad there's a there, there's a way for you know kids to you know, be, be able to get up, get out of, you know, bad or unideal situations and be able to go to another program that best fits, you know, who they are and you know, what they want to do and, you know, their future and, you know, how they, how they see themselves playing. And I know the NCAA, uh, I can't remember if it's been, it was passed or not, but I know they have the, now they have the rule for the one-time transfer without penalties. Always thought that was a stupid thing, you know, um, you got to sit out of here just because you decided to transfer. Always thought that was foolish. So, uh, I'm glad the uh, NCAA is uh, getting rid of that. Again, I can't remember if that was passed. I know it was being discussed. Um, but it's impacting the college game, uh, you know, uh, especially if you, if, you, if you look at locally, uh, a team like Temple, this is a team that lost so much last year. They lost so much offensive firepower. And, you know, without those transfers in the fold, I mean, that team would, you know, be in a lot of trouble more so than, you know, it already is. You know, with so many new pieces trying to, you know, figure out how things work. Um, so the, the transfer market is plentiful. It's, it's reaping good rewards for a lot of programs across the country. And um, there's always a few transfers that, you know, are newly eligible and they turn out to be the difference makers on a team or, you know, that last piece uh, that separates a team from being good to being great. You know, you, you talked about Temple. Uh, so that might be a good place to start in the AAC. Uh, this Temple team we're we're a little bit a ways away from the amoeba defense and uh and coach cheney uh what is going on with temple uh just for the folks that aren't aware because you know we always think of temple as being a good basketball school not so much good at football but a good basketball school uh and you did mention you know it, last year uh they i mean quinn rose was fun he was a known name 
if you if you paid attention to the AAC, but he leaves this year. And you mentioned more uh, losses. What what is this Temple team this year? Um, you know who knows. Uh, there's there's no way to tell. And and, and you know most of the Big Five teams outside of Villanova. And I'd say Penn, but, you know, Penn's not going to have a season this year. You know, Penn had a really good team. They knew what they had coming back. Um, they had proven pieces. But that's not the case with Temple. I mean, you lose a guy like Quinton Rose. You lose a guy like Nate Pierre-Lewis. Those are two cornerstones of that of that team. You lose three of your top leading scorers from a year ago and all. Um, and I think you're – your highest returning scorer only averaged about like five points per game. Don't quote me on that. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but um, this is a team that, you know, they had a lot of guys out hurt last year. They lost a lot from last year. Um, they, have, they have the guys that they have coming back aren't used to uh, playing in expanded roles and, you know, you, you, young point guard uh, uh, Gunn, who, you know, he's a promising player, um, coaches rave about him, but you don't know what you're going to get in him, um, you know, because he didn't play much last year. You got Khalif Battle, who's uh, transferring from Butler, who's going to be eligible this season, who was a top 100 guy out of high school. But last year at Butler, he only averaged three points per game. And I don't think he played in Butler's last eight games last season. And, you know, he's stepping into a situation where he's going to be asked suddenly to be the man. The question is, you know, are these guys going to step up to these uh, expectations? Are they going to evolve and elevate in an expanded role? Guys like J.P. Mormon and Devondre Perry, we just don't know. Um, what I do know is that they believe in head coach Aaron McKee. Um, I believe he's still establishing his vision, and I do believe uh, people around the program and his players believe in him. But, you know, it's going to take time. I don't think I don't think Temple necessarily is going to be a contender this season, but you but it's impossible to kind of rule them out because again you don't know how these pieces are going to fit together. This team could gel better than we ever imagine and end up being, you know, a middle of the pack team. And if Temple's the middle of the pack team with the way this roster is currently constructed, I believe that's progress, especially considering how this team performed last year. There's just so much pressure on McKee, you know, especially considering, um, you know, that was Fran Dumphy's program for so long. And that team was an NCAA tournament team for so long. And they were so consistent for so long. And, you know, for the first time in a while, you know, the Owls are in a state of transition but I do really believe that you know if fans are patient if Temple is patient with McKee and um, they continue to let him build his vision and get some of that recruiting uh, you know swagger back I do believe that Temple should be a contender here in a couple seasons they have an incredible coaching staff Um, he's a player's coach guys want to play for this guy but at the end of the day it comes down to recruiting and you're not going to win these recruiting battles and start until you start winning battles uh, between the lines on the hardwood but um, be patient and I think Temple will be back uh, you know in the in the um, AAC conversation sooner rather than later but when you look at this conference top to bottom you got teams like Cincinnati uh, Houston is going to be a dynamo this year Memphis is going to be great it's really top heavy we'll see if that we'll see if the Owls can kind of wiggle their way until you know the middle of the pack conversation well and it's nice that Wichita State is kind of taking themselves out of you know contention this year doesn't seem like things are going too well in that program, huh? Yeah, yeah. The whole Greg Marshall situation is crazy. Extremely unfor- it's extremely unfortunate. Um, 
and you, you hear stories like that in college basketball, and it's just there's really no excuse for it. You know, I don't know. Greg Marshall never played for the guy. I got friends who played for Greg Marshall at Wichita State, and you know, I've never heard anything about this until now. But you know, it was kind of funny. I'm not gonna name any names. But when the, the story finally came out, they're like, "Oh, now y'all know we, what I've been dealing with the last four years." You know, kind of thing. And good lord, it's just unfortunate. You really feel for the kids in, in that program and having to deal with that. You know. And especially considering, like, you know, from imagine being a parent, you know, like, like, like we said, you know, th this is a guy that sat down in your living room and is going to say he's going to take care of your kids and, you know, put them in the best position to succeed. And then you hear something like this, it's just unacceptable. And, you know, I think, I think the right move is to move on from him. I mean, how can you keep him on? And I know Greg Marshall means so much, you know, to that program and, you know, what he's done uh, for that program has, you know, been fantastic. But, you know, time right. to keep it moving. Yeah. Keep moving, uh, it, that's not acceptable behavior. And like you said, it, that's something where a team like Temple can and Coach McKee can kind of – there's space now. There's space to move up. When you get teams falling, there's there's an empty spot to be taken over. Hey, with all these kids, they're getting a shot now to play. I mean, there, there's going to be plenty of minutes to go around, and whoever has the hot hands is going to have that shot. I, I buy it. I mean, Temple could be anything, especially this year, like you said. So it'll be fun to watch them. Um, not as much fun, though, as my favorite conference uh, outside the Big Ten, the Atlantic Ten. Uh, and you today, you were, uh, you've been talking with uh, LaSalle coach uh, uh, Ashley uh, Howard. Howard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Name was escaping me for a second. Um, the Explorers, uh, they're coming into this season, you know, and I think the, the inclination is to sit there and go, oh, well, Providence and, uh, you know, uh, you got Richmond. Richmond's always in there. Uh, George Mason even makes some noise. I'm in Northern Virginia. George Mason's always on the cusp. And, of course, Dayton has actually turned into something crazy, like a little juggernaut. Where is LaSalle's spot in the A-10? Are they right in the middle in the pack? Are they, you know, are they going to be up in that top spot? Are they still rebuilding? What What is your uh, thoughts on them? You know, I truly believe that LaSalle is in a very similar situation, you know, than the team we just mentioned. I think they're just like Temple. I mean, except, you know, at least LaSalle, they kind of know what they are. This is a team – that they proved early last season that they had enough talent to win games. Like I think they started like eight and two, nine and two, something like that. Uh, got complacent, got into conference play. Season got away from them. They rallied towards the end. Um, they also had to deal with a lot of injuries last year. Um, they got this kid named Jack Clark, uh, who's six eight, plays like a guard on the perimeter, extremely skilled. Torres ACL. He was out last year. Um, there's some other, they had some other pieces and guys, they were just never all, all on the court at one time. Um, but, you know, like Temple, I believe that they believe in Ashley Howard. I believe they're being patient with his vision. And, you know, is this team going to learn from last year's mistakes? Are they going to keep that foot on the gas? Um, are they going to stay healthy? Uh, they also have some transfers in the mix that the team is very excited about and some exciting freshmen that are coming in. Um, just like Temple, uh, you know, 
this team can really be anything, but I don't think they're going to be any better than the middle of the pack team. Uh, not right now, but that's not to say that that won't happen in the near future. But, you know, you got teams like Dayton and, you know, Rhode Island is great. St. Bonnie's, you know, the A-10 is merciless. It's a merciless conference. Uh, it's hard to win in that. It's hard to win in that conference. Um, and I think LaSalle is going to you know, steal some games today, but um uh, they're going to steal some games this season, and I think they'll be better than last season for sure. Are they a tournament team? I, 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 I don't I don't see it, but I've been wrong before. Ed Crosswell is a big loss. What is Coach Howard's uh, view? Can, can Clifton Moore replace those numbers? Because 10 and almost 8 a game is, I mean, that's dynamite, especially for big men in a, in a competitive conference. He's not putting that up against little sisters of the poor. I mean, he, he's putting it up against, you know, some big-time talent. Uh, it, can Clifton Moore step in the transfer from Indiana? Uh, I think so. Uh, Coach is really excited about Clifton Moore, but it's not going to be all on Clifton Moore. Um, you know, they have a seven-footer coming in named Tegra Eze, um, big, long. Coach said he, 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 he's, he's been ahead of the curve in early practices and should play, uh, you know, meaningful minutes as a freshman. That's another large body, and that's something this team didn't have last year. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, you got Jared Kimbrough, uh, who missed some time last year because of injury. When healthy, he's one of the most athletic bigs in the entire conference. Um, he's back in the fold. You got a kid like Jack Clark back in the fold. Um, Christian Ray uh, should be better across the board. That's another big 6'6 body. You can go in there and bang. So in terms of, you know, uh, that those rebounding numbers, I think that that's going to be improved by default. I mean, they have good talent coming back. They're healthy. And a guy like Clifton Moore just kind of takes that front court group uh, to another level. When you have a guy like Scott Spencer, who, who led the A-10 last year in uh, three-point percentage, do you see this as, as a team that's just – because we've seen other teams in the country just – you know, Michigan being one of them – uh, Vatek comes to mind. Some teams have adopted the, the Warriors philosophy of throw it up from three. Let's try and let's try it. Three points is better than two. Uh, do you see them adopting a strategy like that when you have the shooters on the outside, or is this going to be much more of an in and out game? Um, I think it's just going to be more of an in and out game. Cause you know, outside of Scott Spencer, I don't think, you know, the rest of LaSalle's guards necessarily shoot high percentages from the floor. Um, you know, there's some guys like David Beatty who, you know, coaches, you know, want, wants them to kind of focus on their uh, taking better shots. And, you know, you, you take better shots when you have that inside presence. You can play inside and out. Uh, I think Scott Spencer's the only true sniper on the roster. So, you know, I really can't see them leaning too heavily on the three ball, but they should be a better – they should be an improved three-point shooting team uh, with uh, more of an interior presence, uh, creating room for those guys on the outside to take those better shots that Coach uh, Howard wants to see. What's really crazy is this year, a team like Richmond or St. Louis, they look super dangerous. Uh, not only in the A-10, but, you know, they feel like teams that could go into any Power 5 gym and win a game. Uh, who, who do you like to win this A-10? 
Who do I like to win the A10? Um, I know it's a tough question because you literally could say like eight teams and probably be yeah. right. Um, you know, Dayton lost OB Toppin. Um, that's a that's a huge loss. It's you know the national essentially the national player of the year from a year ago. But you know I think the fact that they were robbed of that number one seed in the NCAA tournament, the fact that they were robbed of that you know potential Cinderella run, I think that's going to light f- a fire under Anthony Grant and that group. Um, you know they have a lot of their core coming back this year. Um, Richmond's going to be great. Rhode Island's going to be great. But I still think that you know top to bottom, uh, Dayton's the most complete team in the A-10, and they're not going to run away with it, but I do think they're the favorites. It's interesting. That's interesting. I, I, I root for the Flyers. I mean, you're right, though. That Last year, they could have been something extremely special. If you look at all the analytics, uh, it says that Dayton was a for-real team that could beat anybody. So it kind of sucks that we didn't get to see Dayton make it to the Final Four, but um, – you know, a team we will see probably make the final four is uh, Villanova. And I guess it, it – Sadiq Bey, you wrote a real nice piece on him uh, recently. And, you know, he's a big – he's a big piece to lose. Is Caleb Daniels capable of coming in, the two-lane transfer? Oh, absolutely. I mean – don't get me wrong, losing Sadiq Bay hurts. I mean, this was one of the best all-around players at both ends of the court last year that the college game had to offer. Losing him hurts, but, you know, Villanova returns literally its entire roster from a year ago other than Sadiq Bay. Now you got a guy like Caleb Daniels in the fold. This kid absolutely filled it up at Tulane. Um, he is a high-scoring Big, uh, strong guard who can play on and off the ball, which complements Colin Gillespie. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be like, you know, that team is so deep and, you know, has so many good players that I don't think he's going to be a, you know, 18 points per game guy like he was at um, Tulane. But, you know, he just brings so much more firepower to this roster and, uh, I, I'm not saying he's going to be as in, impactful as Sadiq Bay because, you know, I don't think he's going to have the kind of impact that Bay had at the defensive end. Uh, but, but offensively, um, I could definitely see a similar impact. And, you know, he really just takes this Villanova backcourt to another level. I mean, Colin Gillespie, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Justin Moore. Yeah, Cole uh, Caleb Dan- well, he's, uh, Cole Swindler's uh, in the front court, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Caleb Daniels. I mean, is there a uh, Brian Antoine when healthy? Even though there's some uh, Jay Wright said uh, last week that Antoine's been injured, um, you know, throughout a lot of this early preseason. But like, you know, when all those guys are healthy, do you got a better group of four guards in the country? Um, it's hard to find. Maybe those cats out at Arizona State. Uh, maybe those cats down at Baylor. But other than that, it's hard to find a, a better group of four guards uh, in the country. Same with the front court. I mean, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl caught my attention last year because uh, I was all up on Seton Hall. I, I just bought into the Miles Powell hype. But watching uh, Robinson Earl last year, this guy just – he reminds me of what 
you're going to see in the NBA in the coming years, I think, and that is these six nine athletic can shoot big men, and that's where the NBA is going. He just seems like he's the next guy that's going to do that. Yeah, there's a lot to love about Jermaine Samuels. I mean, he has gotten better every single year at Villanova. Now with big on, his role expands even more. Um, big, long uh, body um, can slash and get to the rim. Um, I think he's going to improve as an outside shooter this season, which is just going to take his game to another level. And I do think that he is a potential NBA talent. You know, a lot of people aren't talking about him uh, when you talk about, you know, who are the you know, potential NBA guys um, on this year's Villanova roster. I think that, um, you know, most think of, uh, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and rightfully so. I think he's another guy that's going to take a huge step forward uh, you know, he's really fine under the radar. And really, you know, if you if you kind of just if, – if, if you don't watch a lot of college basketball and you watch him play and you watch Sadiq Bay play, they bring a lot of the same qualities to the table. Yeah, and it, I guess the, the only closing question I could even ask about this Villanova team and the Big East can anyone can anyone take down Villanova? Because it sure seems like the depth is there, the scoring's there, the athleticism's there, the coaching's there. I mean, like every you check every box with this Villanova team. Is there anybody in the Big East that can make a run at them? Well, the biggest threat to Villanova in the Big East is COVID nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> but um, right below COVID nineteen, um, the Cray and Blue Jays, man, uh, they have one of the best point guards in the country, and Marcus Zagorowski. Um, that kid can flat out go. Um, and it's not just him; they have so many other pieces. Um, they're deep too, and uh, you know, it, it, I, I would say that they're the they're they're the biggest uh, you know physical threat to uh, Villanova's crown. But you know. I've heard a lot of love for Connecticut um, this year. Do you think Connecticut's a real team? Um, you know, I think they'll have a lot of energy, you know, first year back in the Big East. You know, it's been a while, you know, get that old Villanova-UConn rivalry going again. But um, I don't think they're quite there yet. But they do have some um, very good classes coming in. Uh, over the next, uh, they just had a good class coming in. I don't think they have a good class coming in next year. Um, they're going to be in the conversation uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, so, you know, Jay Wright uh, better stay on his toes because, you know, Danny, uh, Dan Hurley and the, uh, the Huskies are coming. CJ, I can't thank you enough for the time and filling us in on all this great basketball. Where can people find more of your content? Uh, well, if, if you want to hear my uh, if you want to hear my uh, crazy thoughts, be sure to follow me on Twitter at cjholmes22. I also post a lot of content on Instagram under the same handle cjholmes22, and you can follow me at the at theathletic.com um, with all your Big Five uh, coverage needs. CJ, can't thank you enough, man. Be sure to hit him up on Twitter, hit him up on the Athletic, and we will be back later in the week, college football and more. See ya.